I would like to begin my reflections tonight with our second reading, which is a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Uh, Because what St. Paul is doing here is reflecting theologically on the lessons we learned from our first reading and from tonight's gospel. This is what St. Paul tells us. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and arrogant, but I have been mercifully treated. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. For that reason, I was mercifully treated. Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who would come to believe in him for everlasting life. You know, St. Paul is telling us, as you know, his life, that he was a great sinner, but God treated him mercifully and did that as a lesson for the rest of us who will follow after him, that we would become aware of God's mercy in our lives. So that's St. Paul's theological reflection on today's first reading and today's gospel. I don't know if he was thinking specifically about those passages, but it was a reflection on what those passages teach us. The first reading is from the book of Exodus, the story of the Jewish people escaping slavery in Egypt and being led by God into the promised land. That was accompanied by wonderful miracles. You might remember, uh, at least from the movie, The Ten Commandments, uh, God splitting the Red Sea and the Jewish people walking through it with water on either side and safely escaping the hands of Pharaoh and his charioteers. And in the course of their time heading towards the promised land, God called Moses to the top of the mountain, Mount Sinai, where he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And that's where this particular passage takes place. After God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he came down the mountain, and he discovered that while he was gone, Aaron, his brother, who was the chief priest of the Jews, had taken the gold jewelry of the women and men in the camp, had melted down that gold and formed for them a golden calf, which they began to worship as the true God. Remember, this took place shortly after God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and led them in their miraculous way through the Red Sea to safety. How quickly the people abandoned God and began to worship a false idol. And so God is justified in being angry with them and he's talking to Moses about eliminating the people and Moses reminds God of God's merciful nature and the reading tells us that the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to afflict on his people. So this story of great sin and God's response, which is even greater mercy. And that reading leads us into the three stories that Jesus tells in today's gospel. 
Jesus was surrounded at this moment by all kinds of interesting people. There were his disciples. There were the Pharisees and Sadducees who were the learned people and the scribes of the law. And there were also tax collectors and sinners. You know, tax collectors were those who were cooperating with the Roman um, invasion army, collecting taxes for the emperor. And generally when the word sinner is used here, it, it's a substitute word for prostitutes, people who are involved in sexual sins. So all these people were gathering around Jesus. And the good ones, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, the, the ones who were you know, good in the sense that they were trying to follow the law of Moses faithfully, complained to Jesus saying, this man welcomes sinners and even eats with them. And in response to that, Jesus tells three stories. The first story is a story about a, a shepherd who was willing to leave 99 sheep behind to look for a lost sheep. That sounds like a nice idea. But if you know sheep, you know they tend to wander off mindlessly and get lost, and they are easy prey for predators. So no shepherd in his right mind would leave behind 99 sheep to go look for a lost sheep. But in Jesus' story, the exact opposite takes place. There's so much love on the part of the shepherd for that one lost sheep that he risks losing the 99 in order to find the lost one. And then after finding him, brings it home back to the camp and throws a party. The second story is about a woman. I guess Jesus felt the need to tell stories about men and women. And this was a woman who had 10 drachmas, which is worth, a, each one was worth a day's wage, apparently, and lost one of the 10. And the way Jesus tells the story, she turned the house upside down looking for this one lost coin. And after discovering it, she throws a party and spends more money than the coin was worth, rejoicing in the discovery of the coin. And then we finally have that wonderful story of the uh, prodigal son, the lost son, the forgiving father. It has all kinds of different names in the tradition of the church. But it's a story we're all familiar with. A young son uh, apparently does not, did not particularly have a deep respect for his father. He asked for his share of the inheritance even before his father died as kind of a way of saying, you might as well die, I want the money. And he took the money and went off and spent it in a foreign country on loose women and drink and all those kind of things. And Finally, because he was suffering so much, not because he was sorry for what he did, but because he was suffering so much, he planned to go home and ask his father uh, to welcome him back. And there's a wonderful story about the old man seeing the young son, even from a distance, ran out to him and kissed him and put a ring on his finger, a sign of authority, put sandals on his feet. You know, slaves didn't wear shoes, but sons did, and gave him a new robe and then killed a fatted calf in order to welcome him back. And each one of those cases, Jesus is telling us a story. 
And it's interesting, the stories are not about us. You know, we're all sinners here. Each one of the stories is about God and God's mercy and forgiveness. St. Ambrose, who was a bishop of the church in Milan in the 4th century, he's the bishop who brought St. Augustine to the faith, and tells an interesting, uh, gives an interesting reflection on these three stories. Because in each one of these stories, he finds something else that we might not immediately see. In the story about the Good Shepherd, he, he, he talks about the shepherd being Jesus, who came into this world looking for all the lost sheep, which are you and me. And when he found the lost sheep, he put the sheep on his shoulders and carried him to the, to the celebration, to the feast, which is symbolic of the feast of heaven. You know, the, the feast in the Bible is often a story about God's relationship with his people at the end of time. And so he says the shepherd represents Jesus, who came into the world to save each one of us and desires to carry us on his shoulders to the Father. To the feast. He said the second story about the woman is a story about the church, who is our mother. And the church is never tired of looking for us, even if we wander away and are lost. And so this is a story about the importance of the church. And by the church, we don't mean just the bishops and the priests. We mean all of us here, right? We're all the church. We have a duty and never rest until all God's children are brought to the feast, to the Father. And Holy Mother Church, all of us together, have the responsibility of doing that. And then the final story, the story of the prodigal father, is clearly and obviously a story about God, who is our Father, and who desires to reconcile us to himself. He does all the work in the story. You know, the son is is upset because he's not doing well, but there's no indication of any real love for the father. The story is entirely about the extraordinary love that the father has for all of us and his desire to reconcile all of us with himself and bring us to the banquet at the end of time to share the meal of the eternal feast with the father. That's interesting, isn't it? The story is about Jesus, about his father, and then about our responsibilities as the church. Now, I have four points for us to take home with us this evening. Point number one. I've said this already, but I'd like to repeat it again. These are stories not about us, but about God. Jesus wants us to understand what God is like. You know, we might find ourselves in these stories. You know, the prodigal son is a story about me and about my need to come come back to God. And you know, all that's true, but that's not what Jesus is trying to do here. I mean, the, the, the son doesn't repent. The shepherd, or sheep rather, does not repent. The coin does not repent. And there's nothing active on the parts of those parts of the story. The one who does all the work is the shepherd, the woman, and God, and, and the father, you know. So did we do that? I mean, do we try to understand what God is like? Because God is trying in these stories to reveal to us his heart 
hoping that we, once we see his heart, we'll want our heart to be like his, and we won't want our hearts to be in his. Do we love the Father? Because he loves us so very, very much. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us in these stories in today's gospel. Second point, and I'm going to use a technical word here that is difficult for us maybe even to pronounce, let alone understand. The word is prevenient grace. You know, we Christians believe in prevenient, God's prevenient grace or God's prevenient mercy. That means it comes even before we ask for forgiveness. You know, St. Paul says it very clearly that even before that Christ Jesus died for us, even before we, we repented from our sins. The initiative of forgiveness is always in the hands of God and not in our hands. And that's what God is like. God is there before us, inviting us into his life, into the gift of the resurrection. So that means we shouldn't be afraid, right? Uh, when we're sinners, there's no reason for us to be afraid because even before we acknowledge that we're sinners, God is there for us. You know, God is on our side in all situations. So we shouldn't be afraid to go to confession. Uh, we all are, but we shouldn't be. Uh, it's a moment for rejoicing with the angels in heaven rather than for us to be afraid because of God's prevenient mercy there before we even ask for it. God forgives us before we're sorry. Third point. Every Sunday is homecoming Sunday in the church. You know, this is the time of year when people begin to practice and prepare for homecoming at schools, where people who are graduates of the school come back home in order to watch a football game and rejoice in the uh, education they received or whatever. You know, to come back and see how fat your classmates have become or how bald they are whether or not they're divorced or not, you know, all those things. But the purpose of homecoming is to come home. You know, that's what the word means. But for those of us who are true believers, every Sunday is homecoming Sunday. Every Mass is the prodigal son coming back to the Father and the Father running out to meet him. Every Sunday is the Good Shepherd bringing us to the Father on his shoulders. Every Sunday is the Sunday when the Church, our Mother, rejoices because she has found us uh, despite our sinfulness and our wandering away from God. So I hope you see it that way. The church is your home where God welcomes you despite the fact that you and I and everyone here are sinners. And then the final and last point is important. You know, these stories are not about us. They are about God. But one of the things we need to understand is Jesus calls us to be his disciples. And a characteristic of Christian disciples is that they are women and men who begin to think and act like God. You know, his ways are not our ways. They're way beyond us. And we discover that in today's gospel stories. You know, this kind of prevenient mercy, uh, this kind of extraordinary love and forgiveness is not natural to the human heart. 
But those of us who are disciples of Jesus, through our baptism, commit ourselves to the unnatural life of thinking and acting like God in the world. In other words, we're supposed to love one another with the same kind of prevenient love and mercy that we see in the Father. Do you love your husband that way? Do you love your wife that way? Do you love your children that way? Do you love your parents that way? Where you are one step ahead that even before they ask forgiveness, you forgive them. Even before they seek your mercy, you're merciful in what you think, in what you say, in all your relationships. Now, we are supposed to imitate God. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we ask, ask the Lord as we listen to his word today that we understand the mercy of God and we rejoice in that. And we, re, and we are confident that we're going to be welcomed into the celebration in heaven because God welcomes sinners. But it's also important that we begin to treat one another in that same kind of way, with that same kind of merciful love. And that takes a whole lot of courage and commitment on our part. So may the Lord transform us as we celebrate the liturgy today that, we, that our church might truly be a reflection of the mercy and love of God.